welcome to our Kingdom Culture Podcast. For today's message, we are thankful for what God is doing through this podcast to encourage and transform lives around the world. If you have a story to share about how God has encouraged or transformed your life through this podcast, we would love to hear about it by emailing us at mystory@kingdomculture.ca. If you would like to support this ministry financially to help us bring messages like this to you every week, you can do so online at kingdomculture.ca at the give option. We also would love to connect with you on our social media, on Instagram and Twitter at KC Ottawa and Facebook at Facebook slash Kingdom Culture Ottawa. We pray that you would experience God today and be encouraged through today's message. Enjoy. A little bit of a recap for you. If you were not here last week, week one, we talked about the message title was that one thing. And we talked about what David was asking and what David was seeking. David, the king of Israel, the second king after Solomon, uh, of or sorry, first second king after Saul, before Solomon, greatest king that Israel ever ever had had, and uh, was known to be a man after God's own heart, an incredible leader, incredible individual, incredible example. Really, scripturally speaking, he was a type of Jesus. He was a type of Christ. And uh, everything he did was a foreshadow of, of what Christ would do. I mean, not everything he did, but his life, who he represented symbolically, was largely connected to the Messiah, to Jesus. Okay, so his life prophesied that. But we talked about what David was asking and seeking in Psalms 27 when he said, the one thing that I ask, the one thing that I seek. And the points were that we landed on was how we to live in, to look at, and to lean on. And all these things connected to his love for God in context to his love for the house. Because you got to remember in that time, and even to this day, you cannot separate God's presence from his church, his people. Although in the old covenant, the church was actually a location. The temple was a location. It was a geographical location. It was physical. The new covenant... It's spiritual, and we become that temple. But every time we gather, you cannot separate the presence of God from that gathering. You cannot separate the presence of God from the church as a whole, the house, even this, the gathering. The church isn't the building. The walls of this building are not anointed. You are. Under the old covenant... Yes, there were priests that were anointed, but the wall, like everything about the building was sacred. Well, guess what? We are the building now. And every time we gather, there's something so precious about that. And David was passionate about that. Because once again, you cannot separate the presence of God from that. He said in Psalms verse 4, Psalms 27 verse 4, The one thing I ask of the Lord, the one thing, say it one thing, I seek most so I'm asking and I'm seeking is to live in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. I want longevity, man. I don't want just short-term, temporary. I don't want to be all in one day and all out the next day. I want consistency. You know, the greatest, the greatest, the, actually the only way you create culture is consistency. You want culture in any area of your life, you got to be consistent in it. You want to be healthy, you got to be consistent in it. To, to be healthy, you can't just be healthy for January and February. When you make your news resolution, talk, talk, talk. You can't, health, health is something, you got to be consistent. If you want culture in any area of your life, you got to be consistent. If you want to trust God with your finance, be consistent with your tithe over and over. Despite your situation, watch what God does. 
It's culture. You don't have culture if you're not consistent. David wanted consistency all the days of my life, delighting in the Lord's perfections. I want to focus on his beauty. I want to look at. I don't just want to live in the house. I want to look at his beauty, and I want to meditate. I want to inquire of him in this setting where people are, where people are gathered. I want to inquire him of him. I want to seek him. I want to lean on him when I'm going through a hard time. When you come on Sunday to inquire of God, to go after God, really what you're doing is saying, I want to lean on you, God, because I'm going through a hard time right now. I want to lean in. I want to lean on. You're hearing this this morning. This was David's heart. I talked about how, and I showed a video last week based out of 2 Chronicles 2, verse 2, about how there were over 153,000 people that were designated to build the temple, Solomon's temple, the first temple. And I was in a cave called Zedekiah's cave, where Zedekiah fled when the temple was being destroyed and supposedly hid the Ark of the Covenant, and the walls came tumbling down, but I was in a cave that, that was a cave because they carved out the cave all the stones that actually were used to build the temple that Solomon built. And it's found in 2 Chronicles 2 verse 2. I was in that cave. And, and from that place we were asking and seeking God for the one thing. I just want to be connected, man. I just want to be so close. I want to be so aware of your presence. And we, as a, there was about, I don't know, 250 of us in this cave. And we were just going after Jesus in this cave. Going after the one thing. Doing what David was doing. One thing that I ask. One thing I think I seek. And we were doing that from the place where the house was built. Isn't that crazy? The place where David was saying, I want to be in the house. I want to be in the temple. And we were actually doing what he was praying in the place where the bricks were pulled out to build the temple. So cool and so surreal. I showed that last week. David had this amazing heart for the house, which could not be separated, like I said, from the presence of God. Psalms 26 verse 8. He says, Lord, I have loved the habitation of your throne and the place where your glory dwells. Psalms 36 verse 8 says, They are abundantly satisfied with the fullness of your house, and you give them a drink from the river of your pleasures. Psalm 65 4 says, We shall be satisfied with the goodness of your house, of your holy temple. There is something about a house. You are the living stones, Peter says, that make up the house of God. And so when you gather everybody in their place, there's a goodness that takes place that you leave with. Psalms 133 says, How good and pleasant is it when people, when brothers and sisters, when family dwells together in unity comes together in unity. It's pleasant to God when you come together as the living stones, as the bricks, hewn out of the rock, who is Jesus. I was in that place. I was literally in a rock worshiping Jesus in Zedekiah's cave. That was once a rock. And we were carved out of the rock who is Jesus Christ. Peter says we are the living stones. We are the new temple and we build a habitation for God. So every time we come together we're creating a space for God's goodness to flow. That's why there's value you guys in the gathering like we do on Sunday. Is it stop there? No. Is it a beginning? Yes. It should overflow into your everyday life, community, 
you know, get into a connect group, get connected in relationship outside of Sunday. If you don't have, listen, let me just say something to you. If you do not have relationship with spiritual people that are going beyond you outside of here, you won't be coming here six months from now. Because you'll just fall off. I've watched it. This is the thing. This is not even, like, statistically speaking, not to doom and gloom you, but it's to encourage you, get connected outside of Sunday. If you don't have connection, you guys, I don't care how spiritual you are, how amazing you are, something's going to come your way, financial stress is going to come your way, relational trauma is going to come your way, and you're going to have every excuse in the book to disconnect yourself. But you have no excuse to disconnect when you're connected outside of Sunday. Because you don't really get connected on Sunday. You get connected through the week in relationship. You're hearing this this morning. So let's read it again here, Psalms 27. I want to read two verses now. And we're going to literally break down verse 5. Last week we broke down verse 4. This week we're going to break down verse 5. Are you okay? Are you with me? The one thing I ask of the Lord, the one thing I seek most is to live in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, delighting in the Lord's perfections and meditating in his temple. Verse 5. For he, everyone say he. This is a promise. He will conceal me there when troubles come. He will hide me in his sanctuary. He will place me out of reach on a high rock. Three amazing, really I see two. Sounds like three, but really it's two amazing promises that happen when we make our priorities right. Two amazing things that take place. Write this down. Is he protects us and he promotes us. When we make the one thing the main thing. If we would just focus on this, he will do this. If we would just ask for this, he will do this. If we would just make this a priority... The things that we've made a priority in our life that don't feel like a priority all of a sudden will become a priority. If we would just realign our perspective into the things that really are all about Him, then all the things that we're stressed out about, frustrated about, will begin to take place and be answered, be fixed, and change around our life. We've got to keep our priorities straight. Turn to your neighbor say this. If we would, He will. I want you to get that. I want you to say that because this is huge, you guys. If we would adjust our priority, our focus, he will do a lot lot of things that right now you feel like he's not doing in your life. Really, I I would maybe language it a little bit differently, but I use this to kind of, so you, you remember it. But really, he's already done it all. When we partner in obedience with the things that are in his heart, we just get access to what he's already promised us. There are things that we don't access right now because we aren't doing our part. Now, I'm not trying to get you into a whole place of doing works and effort and good behavior. All that. That's not what I'm trying to say here. What I'm trying to say is there's a responsibility on our lives to make priorities that actually produce purpose in our life. I don't know. You guys here this morning. If we would, he will when trouble hits. I, there's so much trouble going on right now in the world, right? You would agree with that? 
you probably have trouble in your own life, trouble in your marriage, trouble in your finances, trouble in your job, trouble in your, your, your career, trouble personally maybe, physically maybe, whatever. There's so much trouble happening. Trouble's hitting you on all, firing always on all cylinders, it seems like, in some people's lives. At some level in all of our lives, trouble is hitting us. See, David in this context was praying this, asking this, seeking this in the context of his life full of trouble. People opposing him, enemies coming after him, trying to take him out, trying to tear him down, trying to discourage him. And here David is saying, listen, I've been through it all, man. Like, I, I've been through a whole bunch of crazy chaos in my life. I've been sought after to be killed. I mean, all these things have taken place, but you know what? I'm coming back to the same place I used to be on the hill when I was all alone with the sheep, playing my harp over the sheep, playing my instrument over the sheep, worshiping Jesus, writing poetry. I'm coming back to that place, and I'm saying the one thing, the only thing that matters is you and your house, God. If I can get a hold of your, if I can become aware and stay aware of your presence, all the things that I'm facing, all the trouble that's before me, it's going to just, it's going to dwindle or it won't have the same power and effect on me. Because it's not about if trouble's going to hit you. It's about when. Listen, you're not immune to trouble. It's not if trouble's going to hit you, it's when and then how you handle it. Your response to trouble when it hits is determined by how much of a priority you have the one thing as the one thing in your life that matters. If I was to like literally define these three weeks, because we're in a three-week series, we're in week two. If I was to define these three weeks, I would say it like this. Week one was really, if we would, seek the one thing. Week two, which is today, I would define it as he will. It's the promise of the if we would. There's a promise he will do these things if we would. We will access what he's done if we would. And week three would be so we can. And we're going to go there next week. Are you okay? I really just want to talk about the protection that comes. The protection that comes. The protection that is promised to us when the main thing is the main thing. When the one thing is the one thing. I said this last week, and I'd encourage you to write this down again if you weren't here last week or take a picture on the screen. It's something that I mentioned that I feel like is very powerful for us in this season. When the one thing becomes the most important thing, we get the very thing we are looking for. When the one thing, write that down, becomes the most important thing, we get the very thing we are looking for. David had a heart for the one thing, the one thing that I ask, the one thing that I seek, the one thing. When the one thing becomes the most important thing, we get the very thing that we are looking for, the very thing that we need, the very answer to the problem, to the trouble that maybe we are facing in this moment. But like I said, two things really stand out in this verse, in verse 5, and it's protection and it's promotion. Let's look at it again. In verse 5, out of the New Living Translation, verse 5, for he will, say it, conceal me. He'll conceal me. That, that word literally means to hide. It means to reserve. It means to protect by covering over. It means to keep me secretly in a secret place. He will conceal me. If the one thing is the one thing, he will conceal me there when? When what? When what? When troubles come, not if troubles come, 
when troubles come. So David's not praying this after trouble has hit, because a lot of us do that, right? Right? You guys alive this morning? Some of you are falling asleep. Just wait till we get into the VIP chairs. We move rooms. There's lazy boys. How many give panic prayers to God? When things go to hell, you're like, that. now all of a sudden you pray. You do your like whole religious thing. You recite the Lord's Prayer. And it doesn't even have any context, the Lord's Prayer sometimes, to what you're going through. But you think if you say it, God's going to reward you. And I think by your own good effort and your own good works, God's going to reward you. God just wants to hear you talk. God already knows what you need before you ask it. So why pray? Because he wants to hear you talk. That's how you develop relationship. Communication is how you develop relationship. Paul said, bring your prayer request to God. He said, pray without ceasing. So, but he already knows what you're going to pray before you pray it. So you think, why, why would I pray? Because he wants to hear you talk. you got to get that into your mind, into your heart. He wants to hear you speak. Because sometimes when you start to speak to him and present to him the things that you need to take place in your life, to see the breakthrough that you want to see, sometimes it's in that prayer, in that communication, you actually find out you already have the answer. You ever felt that way before? Talk to somebody, a friend, you're going through a hard time, and you talk it out. And by the end of it, you feel better, not because they give you any advice, but because you talked it out. And now you begin to hear yourself and begin to realize, wow, I just need to change my perspective. In fact, I always had the perspective. I just needed somebody to talk to. See, this is part of relationship, right? We actually get our own answers sometimes by talking it out. Talk to God like a friend. And watch what begins to happen in your own life. That's what David did. David cultivated that by writing the Psalms, many of the Psalms before he was king. Writing the Psalms out, writing his heart out, was a part of his process of developing relationship. The one thing, if we get this right, equals a concealing, a hiding when troubles come. And then it says this, he will hide me in his sanctuary so we hear conceal me hide me in secret when troubles come because they will come and then he will hide me another way of describing what it means to keep secret to reserve some translations would say hoard and it literally means to hide me under the cover of my tent the actual word here is pavilion he will hide me in his pavilion and for, we get, we, where we get that word is from the word butterfly. Because the picture is this tent. Because in David's time when he's praying this, there was no actual temple built yet. It was the tabernacle, which was a big tent. And that place was where the people met God, which is where the high priests and the priests met with God. That was a holy place. It was like our new covenant gathering today in a sense. It's like we gather together to worship God. That's where they did all their worship. It was in the tabernacle, the tent. It was like a butterfly. like two, It was like a tent. He says, I'm going to hide you under my pavilion. I'm going to hide you in the place of transformation. We, one, one, of the, one of the words uh, uh, in Romans 12 where it says we're transformed by the renewing of our minds. Where do we get the word metamorphosis from? Well, what does a caterpillar go through? A total metamorphosis. It turns from a caterpillar into a butterfly. He's saying, I'm going to hide you in the position or the place of transformed life. 
if, 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 if you would just renew your mind daily and think of what I think about daily, understanding that you have the mind of Christ and focus on the right thing in the right way daily, you're going to be hidden in this place of protection and you're going to be transformed by it. I'm going to hide you there. It says, so he says, let me, let me read it out of the King James Version in verse 5. Okay, go there out of the King James Version. It's worded a little bit differently, but it works with what I'm talking about right now. For the time of trouble, this is, and this, if you read the original Greek or Hebrew manuscript, it says more accurate, okay? For in the time of trouble, he shall hide me in his tent, under his tent, in the metamorphosis of transformation. He will hide me in his pavilion, in the secret of his what? Tabernacle. Let me just paraphrase this for you. He's saying, now I'm even going to bring you a little bit closer. So I'm going to hide you there, but I'm going to bring you into the Holy of Holies. The place where nobody can touch you. People can still touch you in the pavilion. Try to get at you. But now I'm going to even bring you closer. If you make me the priority, I'm going to bring you even a little bit closer. I'm going to protect you in the context of the Holy of Holies when trouble comes. Psalm 16, verse 8, David says, I have set the Lord continually before me. Because he's at my right hand, I will not be shaken. See, David understood this. If I make the house the priority, if I make his purpose my priority, if I make everything that he is my priority, I will not be shaken. How many know some people that have been shaken? I'm telling you, you guys, listen. The shaking always feels less when you're surrounded with a community that loves you and supports you. The shaking always is magnified when you feel alone and you feel like you're the only one going through it. David said, it's called a mishtam of David. It's something, it's a psalm. This psalm in Psalm 16 is very important. It actually means something that needs to be etched on stone, etched into your very soul. This is so important. David understood that this revelation of setting God before him had to be etched into the stone of his heart so that it would never leave him. This revelation that because I've set the Lord always before me, because he's at my right hand, I will not be shaken. I will not slip up, fall back, get complacent. Listen, some of us right now, we've made a big decision to step into relationship with Jesus. Let me just tell you, you will be tempted to fall back. Everybody in this room is tempted to fall back. You'll be tempted to slip up. You will be tempted to let yourself get so shaken that you lose everything. But if you keep him as the priority, that shaking, when it does happen, it won't take you out. It may shake the things around you. Things may crumble around you, but it won't shake your soul. So you lose everything. You follow me? See, some of us want all, we want in with God, but then we like a little bit of this. Let me just tell you, if you have a little bit of this, eventually a little bit of this will become a lot of this. If you don't deal with a little, <clears throat> eventually it will become a lot. My Bible says it's the little foxes that spoil the vine. It's the little things that creep in slowly in your life that you think, oh, are okay. The little compromises, the little things that come in and spoil the vine. Those little things become big things after a while. A little bit of leaven in a loaf of bread eventually leavens the whole lump. Do you see what I'm saying? If you think that you can be all in with God and yet kind of over here a little bit playing with fire, eventually it will burn you. It will burn you. 
And so many people want to do this, and it doesn't work. David's like, I'm all in, man. David was the most recognized king of Israel. Why? I think it's because he was all in. The book of Acts describes him as a man after God's own heart because of his obedience. Are you with me this morning? I remember, I, I remember when our oldest daughter now, um, somebody actually had a dream before we were pregnant that we would have three miscarriages. It was a woman, a girl from California actually, and sent us a dream, and that she had, we had three miscarriages. So we had our, we got, we had two mis, we actually had the, got pregnant for the first time, had a miscarriage, got pregnant again, had another miscarriage. And so by that time we're like, oh my gosh, this dream, we're paying attention now. So my wife really labored, and my, myself, we labored hard in prayer at the third child, who was promise that we would not lose her. We felt the dream was more of like a warning to like, you know, pick up and boost our prayer life, so to speak, to, to war that promise would not die. And at six months, I remember right after we had got robbed, I got my car broken into, I got robbed, everything in my car, I had to, I, man, it was devastating for me because I... All kinds of sentimental things and, and lots of money worth of stuff was robbed from me. It was right after, like literally the night after we'd emptied our entire ministry account for the homeless to help the homeless in the city. Then I got robbed. That, that same weekend, my wife, at that point, we had no income for six months. We were struggling financially. And my wife, in that same weekend, right after the weekend, went into severe fever and they thought that she had an infection in her bloodstream, went into the hospital, she became a high-risk pregnancy, and they told us in the hospital, when we rushed to the hospital, that we're gonna have to probably have the baby tonight at like 24 weeks, super premature, and it was very dangerous. And I remember, I remember before that took place, not only even before the robbery, God gave me two words. The first word was Jesus in the boat sleeping, when the storm was raging, he had peace. That's why he said, peace, be still, because he already had peace. He spoke from the place of which he already was living. That's why he could sleep in the storm. God had already spoke to me. In fact, it was so crazy because when I went up to see my car before I knew my car was broken into and I was robbed, over my car in the parking garage downtown on the pillar was spray-painted peace. So going to my car, I already knew my like, God was speaking to me. I just didn't know what. I didn't know how. I had already been talking about meditating on the scripture in Mark chapter 4 about the storm. And then I see peace over my vehicle and everything was shaken, but I wasn't shaken. Yeah, I was devastated, but I wasn't shaken in my soul. And then days later, this happens to my wife. And, and I remember both of us, I don't remember the process, but I had been reading about Jehoshaphat and, and his war and what he was about to do going to war. And, and God said to King Jehoshaphat, he said, Jehoshaphat, all you need to do to win is praise, is worship. All you need to do is just sing and praise. I'm going to confuse the enemy and you'll win the war. And so we went, I remember we went into the hospital, we had that word, and when they told us you're going to have to have the baby tonight, I just knew, she knew that it wasn't going to happen. Although all the diagnosis said it's going to happen tonight, going to happen maybe tomorrow, we knew because God was before us in our focus, we'd made him the main thing because he is the main thing. 
we began to worship him. We knew that it would not happen. Even though we spent almost a month and a half total in periods of time leading up to our delivery in the hospital, we had the world praying, and we knew that God was going to make a way. And he did, and we, we had a healthy daughter, full term. Amazing. But I could tell you story after story where trouble tried to come to my door, but because we'd already been positioned with one thing, that trouble didn't have power over us. Like Psalm 16, 8, because we had set him before us as the focus, we made the house a priority. You know what is crazy? Is during that time when we were in the hospital, we were in the hospital, we were missing Sundays, we were missing whatever. We had like what we call our House of Hearts offering in December. We had it back then in, during Easter time. And it was Easter Sunday, and I felt the Lord speak to me and say, I want you to leave Sean the hospital. Just go so you can give him the offering. And write down on the offering full term. Because she was six months about to give birth, potentially, to a premature baby. And God said, I want you to go sacrifice, give your entire month's rent, which at that time was everything we had, into the offering. And right on the envelope, I'm believing for a full, full term baby. Those other things that we were praying for, too. I left just to give him the offering. Not only did we get a full-term baby, literally 80% of everything that we actually know, 100% now, looking back, on that envelope that we asked for was answered by God. Because we made the main thing the main thing. You guys, listen, when you make him a priority, you make his house a priority, you make his presence a priority in your life, it changes the game. I hope you're not falling asleep. It's so easy in community to lose that protection. You know, people come and go. They don't get connected into community. They don't ever find that pavilion, that, that, that secret place where that hiddenness, that, that you're on reserve, you're protected. They don't find that. They don't find relationship, and it saddens me. But like that pot that's disconnected from the garden. After a while, you just stop growing. You just stop growing and eventually you get jarred you get you get totally jarred by church and you end up leaving and then you have no community at all and that affects your relationship and then you you start you stop believing in God because what people or people have done to you or because you feel rejected by people and really it's never been about people it's been about you and him I see so many guys now building ministries with bitterness as their backdrop bitter towards the church, bitter towards people, bitter towards this and towards that. And because they're so bitter, bitterness is driving their decisions. And we're just going to make the new, coolest, best, new, you know, anti-church, church-looking thing on the planet. We're so anti-religious, we're religious. <laughs> it's called a spirit. It's an anti-religious, religious spirit. You're so anti-something, you become that something and don't even know it, and you're deceived. That's what deceived is. You don't know you're deceived. If you knew you were deceived, you wouldn't be deceived. You're so anti-something, you'd become that something. You're so all about free speech, but you trash everybody who, who has free speech. It's like you're so you're so for it, but then when it happens, you it doesn't even you know, you follow what I'm saying. Just go on Facebook, anyways. There's something so safe about finding yourself in community. He keeps us close. Number two, promotion. God promises protection when the one thing is the one thing, the main thing is the main thing. He promises promotion. Promotion. It says here at the end of verse 5, He shall set me up upon a rock. 
He'll elevate me. I really believe this, and I think there's, it's, Scripture is multi-layered, and the Holy Spirit will speak to you. Um, symbolically, metaphorically, He'll speak to you through many different ways when you read Scripture. He'll open your eyes, and He'll help He'll help you see things you never saw before. But I think that in this verse, I kind of see two things. I see the spiritual and I see the physical. I see spiritual protection, spiritual connection, and I see physical promotion. I see influence. I see uh, uh, going higher, being elevated. I see what you learn in this context and what you grow up in in this context allows you and sets you up to be elevated in the context of the world to be influential. He will hide me in the rocks. He will use physical elements to hide me. No longer is just spiritual. It's physical. I want to elevate you. God wants to elevate you. God wants to promote you in your job. God wants to promote you. I think there are things that you grow up and learn in your relationship with God connected to your relationship with God's house, His people. Whether it's on a Sunday, whether it's outside of a Sunday, whether it's over coffee, whether it's in a connect group, whether it's in some sort of connection to the living stones that Peter says you're around every day. When you connect, there's something that happens to elevate you in the culture to be of influence. Are you here with me this morning? I, I, know, I know I'm speaking a little bit differently this morning. I'm hoping you get something from this. I think one speaks of the spiritual and one speaks of the natural. He places me high. When he says he shall set me upon a rock, it means to place me high. It means to exalt me. It means to bring me up to a higher, more active place. That's what it means. To be high actively. Write that down. That's what it means. There are relationships. There are opportunities that I have had because of me keeping the one thing the main thing. Some of the game-changing experiences I've had in my life has been a result of the people that I've met because I'm a part of a global body of Christ, a global church. Places I've traveled, experienced, gone to have changed the game for me because I've made the one thing the main thing. 